Miller, and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller talking sports with you for the next couple of hours. Thanks for lending us your ear for at least a portion of that uh, period of time. BMW of Des Moines guest list shapes up like this. We will talk with Scott Docterman in about 20 minutes. He covers Iowa, he covers the Big Ten. Uh, he's a busy man over at The Athletic. All that work on scheduling, at least some of it, that he and a lot of uh, of, of his brethren uh, around um, the college football landscape are trying to work on schedules in the off season. put it all together, only to have it um, hit the cutting room floor at least a lot of times. So we'll talk to Doc about that, the new look Big Ten, etc. Media day for Iowa coming up at the end of the week. A lot of topics to get to with Doc, and we'll be on time and talk to him toward the bottom of the hour. And then Mitch Holtis, who is back with us, uh, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He begins another week looking at those defending champion Chiefs. Uh, Papa John's of Central Iowa sponsors that. Baseball conversation starts hour number two with Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com. And then Nick Olson, after uh, Media Day for Iowa State has come to an end, uh, Nick Olson's had some time to think about it, certainly a bunch of time to write about it, and we'll pick his brain uh, about it uh, when we talk to him about the 1230 or thereabouts Trent's plays of the day before we get out of here at noon. Busy week ahead for both of us. Uh, busy week ahead for college football teams across the country. Enjoy it because after this year, it is about to change in a big, big way. Savor the 2023 season. I will. Yeah, absolutely. This is the last of kind of normalcy, yep. if you will. And what else is on the horizon? Mm-hmm. How different the structure of the college football playoff, what each conference decides to do. Now, we've talked about in the past, I would personally love to see either a semifinal type of matchup in the Big Ten and the SEC going that direction. Four teams qualify for a tournament, if you will, a mini tournament to get there. Do we go to 13 regular season games? I think you'd have to at that point, right? Well, you would think so, but then what do you do with the teams that are left out and and kind of going that direction? Or does it drop to 11 and then everybody's last game of the year is like the Big Ten did in 2020? More football is better than less football. Trent, give your head a shake. Well, no, everybody will play 12 games. Okay, good. It will not be scheduled, though, until I see what you mean. Yep. Like they did in 2020. Like in 2020. You've loved that and you're 100% right. It was terrific. It absolutely is. It It was. Put a little carrot behind it. Hey, you get to go to Florida for your bowl game. You win this matchup of mm-hmm. the fourth place team in this division and the fifth place team in that division that hadn't played in the regular yeah. season. That's another the outback. I, I'm with you, and that's another aspect of what we had yesterday or over the weekend. Rather, these bowl ties that have been in place forever, right? right? With the Pac-12 imploding. You know, I was just listening to the end of the Dan Patrick show, and and I guess they must do a this day in sports history. Oh, okay, right. And they look back what happened fifty years from now. This is um, August the fourth, mm-hmm. which was Friday, right? Uh, this day in sports history, 50 years ago, the Pac-12 ceased to exist. And college football in the college sports landscape became a power three. Um, who knows where it's going? We know it's uh, 2023. The Pac-12 is in place. And then all hell breaks loose. Everybody's skedaddling everywhere. I'm going to be a huge Beaver fan this year. Are you? Absolutely. they got a chance. State. They do. They've, They've got, got a, a good team. Yep. Jonathan Smith, former quarterback yep. there, has an opportunity had a good team last year, has a lot of returning talent, and if DJ Ogilele can mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's got to win the job first because he's in a battle. He absolutely is. But if he turns out the guy that we thought he was going to be when he made that start uh-huh. against Notre Dame a couple of years ago, and, oh, look at this kid. They got something here, don't he, they? He might be better than Trevor Lawrence. Well, yeah. Didn't quite play out that direction, but if he gets back to something close to that, uh, Oregon State is definitely going to be the team mm-hmm. where my rooting interest is coming up this season. And still, what happens with the remaining four? Mm. Does Stanford go independent? Does Cal become a part of the Mountain West? What do we see? I from think them? that's the most likely, Trent, that the four left behinds merge with the Mountain West and the Mountain West merges with the Pac four and becomes the Pac twelve. There's just so many dominoes yet to fall. Does Cal just decide, you know what, we're gonna hang it up. We're gonna go uh. to the FCS level. We're going to even drop and go non scholarship. I mean, there's uh. a lot of different directions that they certainly can go. The academia in that institution, one of the best, if not the best public institution in the country, what direction do the eggheads want them to go? That's going to be a mm-hmm. piece of this, too, because if you're Cal, do you really want to be rubbing elbows with Boise State? <laughs> not, not getting beat by them on a, on a consistent basis. Fresno State, that uh-huh. is not their kin. So a lot of different directions this can go. You know, another thing that you have to wonder about is if you see some kind of absorption, I think you keep the Pac-12 name, right? What's well, a brand? Absolutely. Yeah. But you also keep the shares of NCAA tournament wins. Mm. Those stay with mm-hmm. them. So the likelihood that it is the Mountain West, I don't think so. The problem is the Mountain West, if they decide, well, you know what, we're going to kick San Jose State to the curb, mm-hmm. whoever it is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what direction that goes to. It's, there's still so many dominoes that have to play out here, and, and that's the part I think that's incredibly intriguing and interesting is that part of it is what is next for them. But for the fans of Oregon State and Washington State and Cal and Stanford, and now knowing what your new reality is, Stanford's not going to get millions of dollars on their own for their football contract from NBC. It's just not going to no, happen. No, no, no. This, I mean, there might have been a time that they would have cashed in, but those days are over. They absolutely are. You go independent, who do you play? Uh-huh. <laughs> who are have you going to play? Have you seen the round robin amongst the teams that are left? I mean, the pack four. <laughs> yes. It's just, it's it's cruel. It's it's Now it is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like Frank Kona, you know, when he was talking about the fight. No, no, it was a right hook, not a left hook. Uh-huh. And, and Tom Hamilton with the play-by-play. Oh, play. so good. Oh, so good. And we're talking about the uh, the Guardians and the White Sox, Ramirez and, uh, and, and Anderson. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Anyways, what a weekend in sports. Enjoy college football this year. Enjoy college sports this year because next year it's going to be, I mean, who knows where it's going to end, right? Mm-hmm. How many protected rivalries? What is the, from where we sit, what does this do for Cyhawk? Uh, is that now in jeopardy going forward? We just don't know what the schedule is going to look like. We don't. If it goes to 10 conference games, it's in the probably Big Ten, gone. It's gone. Yeah. Because you're playing five at home, five on the mm-hmm. road in the Big Ten play, and then to get those seven home games every single year, yep. what do you do? That means two bye games. And Iowa State is not coming to Iowa City every year. No, they're just not. No, they don't. Shouldn't. No, absolutely. That's not going to happen, Mm -hmm. and it falls by the wayside. And adds to another one of the games that Mm -hmm. we used to get every single year that we won't get if it plays out in that direction. This one obviously just sits a little closer to home, but you're 100 percent right. Right. I mean, we've we've said goodbye to historic rivalries over the last decade. It's it's when the. Television networks get so damn powerful in all of this, right? Mm-hmm. How did this happen? Who let this happen? Well, we know how it happened. Mm-hmm. Everybody was blinded by the almighty dollar. That's how it happened. But how did they let it happen? College, fo- college sports has sold itself to television networks. When ESPN was formed in whatever? 79. 79. When Fox Sports became a thing, 
that was in the back of their mind. One day, one day, you watch, we'll own college athletics. That never was part of anybody's mindset, but here we are. Well, and we know Bob Bullsby, what he saw and when he went after ESPN two years ago, he was exactly right. ESPN was pulling the strings to try to mm-hmm. basically make the Big 12 not a viable entity anymore. Irrelevant, yeah, in a that's, lot of ways. That's what, he mm-hmm. would, that's what ESPN was working to do. Mm-hmm. He was exactly right when he came out with that. Now, he stepped back a little bit. Oh, we still kind of well, need had to. partner, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we still need them. But he was exactly right on that front. Fox did the same thing uh-huh. here with the Pac-12. Yep. You're making the conference that you're in bed with most much stronger. And you've done that now with the addition of these four mm. schools, football-wise. You've done that. And on the other side, we don't have to worry about spending that money on the Pac-12. We spend all our money here in this one place, second place a little bit less with the Big 12. And that's the direction that they're going to go. The end game, is it two? Or are we still going to have three mm. slash four? I mean, that, that's well, I still... hope the latter's three slash four yes. because I worry about our friends in, in Story County. Absolutely, um, that's not good for us. No, it's not good no. for anybody. I, I think three is viable. And look at the the Big Twelve is now, with maybe one exception, Arizona State, or maybe two, Utah. <laughs> they all want to be there except for those two. Mm-hmm. And this a hole that the athletic director at Arizona State. Oh my! My good God! How do you say that? Not going to go to Morgantown. Not going to go to Morgantown. You're lucky to be going to Morgantown. <laughs> exactly. Where'd you rather be going, Fresno? Right, that's what you were. That's what you were um, on the cusp of doing. What a what a foolish comment! Look, Utah's good. Utah's going to mm-hmm. come in here. Don't forget, when was it? Remember when they played at Jack Trice Stadium? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they kicked Iowa State's fanny. Mm-hmm. Was that the early roads or late Chiswick? Yes, right, <laughs> right somewhere that area. somewhere yeah. in there. This is good football in mm-hmm. Utah. There, you mean? They have physicality. Yes, they do, Trent. Absolutely they're built like do. Iowa State, K-State. You know, uh-huh. those kind of programs here in the Big 12, they're built differently. And it's worked incredibly well in the Pac-12. Programs like that, it's great to see. They had an undefeated team with Alex Smith as a quarterback yeah. and some dudes. Mm-hmm. And Urban Meyer is a head coach, mm-hmm. and they couldn't get a sniff. I think they finished sixth in the uh, rankings that yeah. year at the end of the regular and season. And when they came into Iowa State, they were part of the Mountain West at the time. Yes, they were. Oh. And now full circle. They got some dudes. Kicking and screaming, but yep. they're going to be there. And that's going to be good for the Big 12. Well, it, it is. And, and the um, the other part, I mean, Phoenix, Tempe, mm-hmm. Tucson. That's a good trip. It's a, They're both really good trips. Tucson's airport, I fly into it, I've flown into it every year for a long time. It's beautiful there. Um, stay in the mountains, stay in the foothills, rather, at Lowe's or Weston, and it's not far to the football stadium. Um, but yeah, some really cool destinations. Of course, Boulder's pretty spectacular in its own right. Mm-hmm. So happy for the uh, Big 12. What did they do? Did they go protected rivalries? What does the Big 10 do? Does Iowa keep Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska? How's this going to shake out? So many questions. Well, is it a little simpler now, protected rivals, where USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington all play each other every year? Yeah. And that means everybody else should. You know what? Because didn't how many did did Penn State get a rival? They did not. No. I didn't think so. No. Now they're going to find me. Somebody's got to be air quote their rival. But do they? Because we sung the praises of the Big Ten originally when they said you don't have to have three because everybody doesn't have three. Keep it the same way. Flexibility. But, but can you still now that you've ballooned to eighteen? I think you can. I mean, you're at sixteen. The difference Math's is not our strong suit. Trent. <laughs> no, it's not. But I think it's still manageable at that point. Are, are you going to try to then suddenly thrust in Penn State? All right, you get Ohio State, Rutgers, and Maryland. You got to play Rutgers and Maryland every year in comparison to get an extra game against an Oregon, against yeah, a Washington, a USC, not or UCLA. The shiniest, is it? No. What, what would you rather have? In, well, not not you. 
What would the TV networks oh, rather yeah, of have? Of course. Yeah. Send me a send them out west. Penn State locked in uh-huh. every year with games against Maryland and Rutgers no. or the flexibility yes. of being able to play more games mm-hmm. against Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know who's in charge of this schedule. I mean, I know who, obviously, that they've got to sit down and get it approved by, and that's ESPN. Well, that's Fox, that's Fox in the yeah. Big Ten's, in yep. the big, when it comes to the Big Ten. Oh, my gosh. It's about to change. This was a, a kaboom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It really and truly was. College athletics changed on Friday. This was the big one, folks. This was the big one. Mm -hmm. And now we wait. 2036. Florida State, there continues to be, you mentioned this, I think, on Friday. 2036. (laughs) The murmurs about, you know, there's lawyers out there that feel like they... They have a path to being able to get out of the grant of rights. Florida State lawyers are feverishly working on this. And if that happens, we are looking at... Then what? Well, then it is a collapse of the ACC. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for Notre Dame? Mm -hmm. And then do we get where I've said we're going to get two 24-team maker conferences and then the impact of the Big 12? Can they stay relevant and become that third? Where there's maybe an automatic bid for the champion, and that's it. You get three automatic bids, and then these, what would it be? 24, 24, 24, those 72 teams Mm -hmm. are part of its own structure of college football. That's the hope for the Big 12, that they're able to do that. And if you get an addition of a Duke and you get an addition of, I don't know, Georgia Tech and and schools like that, kind of the next tier of the ACC, does that enough to make them relevant enough to stay alive Mm. in the Super Conference world? That is the question that still remains and hopeful that that happens. I mean, how great would that be to have... These super conferences and the MAC and the Sun Belt, and they're off, and even the Mountain West are off on their own and mm-hmm. playing for their own championship. Yeah, but is that okay? I don't know. I I just I what don't are the know the financials of that. Well, it's got to be huge. Uh, I just I, I, I want to fast forward in some <laughs> respect. I mean, look look at the Big Twelve when it comes to basketball. I know it's a football decision at least for now, and I think your mark's got some plans. I mean, look at that conference basketball wise. My good God. Yeah. It is so good. You bring in Arizona, mm-hmm. Arizona, Kansas every year, Arizona, Baylor, Arizona, Iowa State. Um, ugh, the possibilities. And what's the scheduling going to look like? Who's coming to Hilton? Who's coming to Trice? All of these new, these new schools that would have never, ever shown up in Ames. One basketball thing that I read or heard over the weekend, and you know how it's all jumbled together, is we have heard Big Ten coaches since they've gone to 20, Talk about what a grind that is. Mm-hmm. It is, it's too much. That twenty is too much. Eighteen was a more mm-hmm. realistic number. You just go seventeen. You, you play, play everybody, everybody once, yeah, and that's it. And and it rotates next year. You're, this year you're home. Next yep. year you're on the road. Yeah, I mean, because of the additional travel that's going to be mm-hmm. a part of it, doesn't make more sense. Throw a couple extra buy games in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get another one off against another conference at a home and home that you're able to do. But do you go that route? Does that make more sense for basketball, both men's and women's, is to instead of trying to figure out how we get 20 and only having the flexibility of 11 non-conference games, let's go to 17. Well, that's assuming we stay at 18. Right. <laughs> and then you go a little bit further. Right. What is a bracket going to look like for oh, the Big Ten tournament? Oh, my God. Because you don't want... And how many extra days? Right. Your, your number one seed, you don't want them to have to play... Even what it would be in a 16-team structure, four games in four mm-hmm. days to win a championship. You, you still probably want to have those buys for your top four. Mm-hmm. That means if you if they qualify all 18, you're the 17 or 18 seed. You got to win 
seven games Jeez. in seven days, six games. And, and here's the other thing: logistically, when it comes to Kansas City, you got to find you got to find hotel space for four more teams now, mm-hmm. starting next year. Right? Um, Do you make many tournaments? To play into the main bracket in Indianapolis or Chicago, do you do something like that? Where all right, we got the West Coast wing here. We got the you go that system and kind of go that direction. Uh-huh. Does that make more sense? All right, we're going to put this one in Vegas. We're going to put this one in Minneapolis. We're going to put this one in Cleveland, and we'll put this one in New York, and we'll have these little fourteen tournaments mm-hmm. to play into the main tournament. I wonder, Trent. That's a different idea that you can do, and I think it would be great, wouldn't it? This would be, you know what, um, it would be fun to be part of this behind the scenes trying mm-hmm. to figure all this out, right, in some respects, just having all these ideas and sit in a room and throw all of this stuff, because I'd never heard of that one that you just threw out before. But, I mean, Kansas City, which is a wonderful place for the Big 12 tournament, you yeah. just you have room for four more teams? And, and I know that uh, there's been a movement afoot to... To bring it all back to Kansas City, right? Yeah, right. The, the the women's tournament. They want everything. To, can you now possibly? Mm, it's going... that's thirty six teams, <laughs> right? Trying to figure if you're out doing a, it the yeah. same weekend, yeah, or the same period and, of and time, and put them in the same time, right? It's it's going to be a lot of those kind of uh-huh. conversations. I love the idea of having mini tournaments, and and the other thing, Iowa. All right, they're in this little that's tournament. That's good TV, Trent. Oh, too. absolutely. That, that's that's good TV. Iowa finished in 10th place. In the 10th place in an 18-team Big Ten, probably still an NCAA tournament team. And they're there with Minnesota, USC, and Penn State. You win that first game, you win the second, you get to the main tournament. Ah, but you lose the first game. Well, why can't you play a third-place game in that little pod, right? Why can't yeah. you do that yeah. and get an extra game in there? It's still inventory. It's mm-hmm. still teams on the bubble vying to build up their resume. Do something like that. Or you do do the 17-team conference, uh, game conference schedule. You go that route and say, yeah, you're going to play multiple tournament games in order, even if yeah. you lose, it's not a one-and-done kind of That's scenario. where you put them at the end. And, and you flex it up uh-huh. at the event. I, I, uh-huh. Those ideas, though, and that part, I'm right there with you. It would be it would so be much blast. fun yeah. to come up with. Mm-hmm. There are no bad ideas. You ever sat in one of those meetings before? I have. And I've thrown a bunch of bad ideas. There's plenty of people that come Uh up with some bad ideas. This is one, though, you can have those conversations. What do you got? Mm -hmm. Let's figure this thing out. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating how this thing is going to all shake out. Wow. For baseball, for softball. You know what, though? There's kind of a constellation in all of this because I'm really, like, I think most of our listening audience... If we didn't have to talk about the gambling thing for a few days, I think right, everybody yeah. will be okay. A little bit of a respite <laughs> right. from it. Hey, can we just get a little bit of a break? Take a couple of days. And it'll ramp back up on Friday, and we will see what Iowa does. You know what is going to happen, Trent? It's going to happen when we're in Vegas. Well, that's it started when is. we're in Vegas. Yes. It's going to end when we're in Vegas. That's how it goes, right? Uh-huh. Everything seems to be going that direction. And it's crazy. We don't know if Shannon's name's involved for Iowa. Yeah. We know that. We found out Jirel Brock not practicing, mm-hmm. connecting some dots there. Mm-hmm. But the other names and the back but, and forth. But, but, so why are the Iowa guys that are connected, our, our, our names are not out there, but mm-hmm. we now know. Now, we're pretty sure our part of it. They're practicing. Mm-hmm. Campbell on the other side is not letting his guys practice. So what does he know that Ferentz doesn't? Or is Ferentz, we don't know. Is Campbell being overprotective? Are Maybe. the Iowa State guys' careers in a different spot than the Iowa guys? Well, that's part of, certainly when it comes to one of them, that's mm-hmm. true. Where one is a four-game suspension, and Ferentz says, yeah, you're back with the team. Mm-hmm. Campbell maybe looks at it differently. Or And here's another part we don't know, is the conversations that each of these coaches had you know with the individual doing, athletes. Right? You know what we're doing, right? We're Speculating. Talking, no, we're talking about gambling. We were going to talk, we are going to save that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go finish your point. <laughs> but those conversations, too. When they had them with the coaches. Right. Mm-hmm. Were they... Honest com- and forthcoming? Were they completely truthful or 
that's a part two. Uh-huh. When you go to the head man, yep. and if the conversation, mm-hmm. well, you didn't tell us this part, and you didn't tell us this part, mm-hmm. and you outright lied about this, yep. well, that's pretty difficult yep. for a coach to say, eh, yeah, after your four games, just come right back in. Sure. That's going to make it difficult. That's a, that's a very good point. It's an and we don't know point. that part. No, nope, we don't. And I've heard nothing of those conversations. Have you? Yes, one, but in Ames, and he's no longer with the program. Oh, yeah. Well, well he's walked away, too. Yeah. Focus on his, sure, uh, sure. his case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the only one. Anyways, baseball from over the weekend. What was your big takeaway from the Cubs has to be on your list? Oh, absolutely. After Friday, I was riding to Iowa City with a couple of my buddies that are both big Cubs fans. And I uh, showed, <laughs> yeah, showed them uh, the score is 8 nothing like in the 8th. Oh, boy. And they both said, well, can we just win a game over the weekend? Mm-hmm. And then they win both Saturday yeah. and Sunday. And this team, we did, uh, we're doing our TV show early this week. Yep. And we do our top five. Did the Cubs make the cut for your top five no, in the NL? I, I couldn't. I almost did, but I, I put the D-backs at the bottom. Oh, they're, the they're playing terrible. They're playing awful. I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. Uh, Cubs are number five for me in the National yeah. League. And heck, What are they, they, game and a half out of the wild card right now? No. Or they are they tied? No, game and a half out of the division tied yes. for the wild card. Yes, them and the Reds, though, there is uh, two different games overall. Uh-huh. They're tied in the standings at this point. Cubs. Cubs begin the, the week at Metville and then go to Toronto. Yes. And then after that, it really eases up. The Cubs schedule uh, after the Blue Jays White Sox for two, Royals for three, Tigers for three, Pirates for four. You like it. Mm-hmm. Did you see the David Schneider story from over the weekend? The uh-uh. kid from Toronto? Uh, the 849th pick in the draft. Finally, I mean, two two years ago, he's still in Double A. <laughs> he got an opportunity to make it to the show. He had, he set a major league record: most hits and home runs in the first three games of his career. Oh wow! And I mean, so one of those uh, easy to root for stories, oh, yeah. right? And he just happened to be a Jay, and I watched a lot of that series. Anyways, we'll talk more baseball with Matt Snyder. We'll talk to Scott Dockerman. What does he think lies ahead as far as scheduling wise? Is uh, everything he has changed from all? The, at least we think all that work that he. Put in and others like him uh, back in early June. Miller and Condon. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Underway on a Monday, it's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Hi, Miller and Congan. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Coming up on 1130. Let's get to our friend Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. I'm sure he's had a busy, busy weekend. Has everything changed, did it not, Doc, on the 4th of August, 2023? Enjoy this year because it's about to change uh, in a big, big way starting in 2024. How are you, Doc? Oh, man, it's been crazy, uh, as you can imagine. Since middle of last week where I think we've we've gotten so much, uh, you know, whether it's locally with gambling or with whether it's – realignment it's been as wild of a week as i can ever remember and it's really been a pretty busy summer across the board so yeah we're you know there's no uh there's no respite here in sight either no absolutely not so what do you think doc um i mean all the work that everybody did scheduling wise the protected rivals etc cetera, etc cetera, 
Um, I, what do you think is going to happen? What's the best scenario in your mind? How once they do get to 18, ready or not, that's next year. What does it look like? Yeah, I wrote a little bit about that this weekend and kind of try to project what 2024 is going to look like and then and then beyond. And and uh, they're not going to really uh, leave their principles. They're going to try to continue to do exactly what they did before. They're going to have to obviously tweak the rotations. But by and large, they're not going to just say, all right, we're just going to scrap the, the rivalry games. We're, gonna, we're just going to go to this type of scenario. No, they're, they're going to keep everything pretty much in flux or, I mean, you know, intact of what they want. What's probably more in flux is, uh, you know, the, the ability to, to make sure that every athlete plays at every campus over a four-year period. Right. That's not going to be realistic with 18 schools. So, uh, so but, but I don't, yeah, in divisional play, forget about it. It's not coming. I don't know why some people think that's going to happen. That, they, they do not want that in the worst way. I mean, the last thing they want is to see USC play Purdue and Northwestern more regularly than Ohio State and Michigan. Mm-hmm. So that's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. With the protected rivals, do you anticipate that the four West Coast schools will play each other on a yearly basis? I think that's the, the most logical solution right now. I think that's helpful for them from a scheduling perspective and a travel perspective because on the years where they have five trips, uh, you know, each team does, it makes sense for them to play, say, two of the other West Coast teams and then three Eastern trips rather than, say, send them off five, you know, going forward. I mean, that's, you know, that that's one of the things I think that's a blessing about this uh, addition for the football part of it is that it, it lessens the number of trips that everybody makes to the West Coast and then West Coast East. So I would I would anticipate that being the case, even though um, Washington and, and Oregon did not play USC and UCLA every single year because right. of, Divisional play in the Pac-12. Uh, so nine or ten conference games, Doc. It's going to be nine for you know at least a, a number of years. Now they may alter that in the future, but teams have some really you know some uh, games well out into the future. Now they may suggest that if, if I was to say they would go to ten, the next opportunity would probably be the next media rights agreement. I just don't see that being the case. Unless they say added Notre Dame, then maybe they would consider that. <laughs> Otherwise, I just I think that they'll stick with nine at least through the next five to six years. Doc, I've been a longtime proponent of what they did at the end of the 2020 schedule, having that last weekend, Champions Weekend, where you didn't know who you were going to play until basically a week before. Any way that anything like that could come back, or is that maybe even an anticipation if they grow to 10 conference games? And that last one would be a flexibility, trying to get maybe a little bit more, uh, get games that are a little bit more compelling at the end of the season. Any chance that something like that comes back in some form or fashion? I'd like to see it. I think it'd be really interesting. Yeah. I just don't know that how feasible it is because of the whole split on home and away gates and mm. you know who gets what home game who gets what road game and then rotations i just i don't think that they'll implement that where i could see that happening or something like that is among the group of five teams especially now with the playoffs kind of on the horizon i, I brought this up earlier today in a conversation that but i think uh what i'd like to see is you know like the mountain west and uh the Sun Belt and some of the others Maybe that they have a Champions Week the first week in December, where you know the the champions those games kind of square off, and then the winners, uh, you know the the ultimate winner or the best uh, 
Group of Five team actually gets to go to the playoff. I think that would be pretty cool. By the way, I did love uh, that you included your your um, your notepad when you came up with the scheduling as part of your uh, a part of your piece at the Athletic. A good penmanship on you, Doc. Uh, so uh, Trent had Trent threw something out here, and I think it's pretty uh, interesting when it comes to basketball. Basketball conversation now. Um, we're we're at twenty. We're at twenty conference games now that we're now that the Big Ten and the Big Twelve, for that matter, are both going to be eighteen team leagues. Do you just play everybody once and make it a 17-game schedule and then fill in the rest? Could you see that happening when it comes to basketball? I could see some serious conversations about dropping it to 18 games. I don't know that I would go. they would have an odd number, but I could see 18 being part of that. And, uh, and part of that is just, I, I think, the logistics. It, it's really going to be tough for... You know, whether it's the eastern teams going west, western teams going east, you have inclement weather. I, I can really see that coming down. And I know the basketball coaches want to go to 18 games. They don't really like the 20 games that they're playing. And I think we've seen that in the Big Ten. Even if nobody changed, uh, you know, just the, the total number of uh, teams that are worn down by the end of the year by the number of those games. So if, if what I could see is something in the neighborhood of, 17 games and then every year have a permanent rival and uh Mm -hmm. so then you play that team twice and for most teams it makes sense for iowa you probably play in nebraska which maybe isn't the team you'd want to play every year but it's a team you'd be given um but you know maybe ohio state would have maryland or something in that regard but other than that i i think that's probably the route that they would go but i i think 18 would be a smart move because then it allows the west coast teams to start playing other teams on the West Coast with a little bit more frequency and lessen their trips east. Yeah, get a few home games if you're doing a bye game against a Gonzaga, something like that. Makes a little bit more sense for them in the non-conference portion. How do you structure an 18-team conference basketball tournament? I've uh, thrown out the idea. How about you have little mini-tournaments, kind of playing your way into maybe a Final Four, even an Elite Eight in Indianapolis or Chicago, doing something that kind of route. Is that something, kind of flexibility, you can wrap your mind around? Because 18 teams, even your number one seed, four games in four days to win a championship, comes a little more difficult. I would love to see that, Trent, and maybe that's part of the negotiation with cutting down from 20 to 18 games is Mm -hmm. if you are to have, like, say, you know, two fours and two fives or something like that, or, mm-hmm. or have a, you know, a midi tournament or something to that effect that I, I think, you know, you could really make it more fascinating. I mean, yes. frankly, because, you know, Frank, you know, when we get all the way back and even now into the 14 team league, when 11's playing 14 and two, 12's playing 13, I just kind of ignore those games. Right. I don't really watch them, you know, mm-hmm. but now if you were to say, you know, have four sites, you know, for a couple of games on a weekend and maybe have two, five, you know, five in, a, in two of them, I think you might see some interesting little things. You could do that regionally. You could do it ranked. You could do it, you know, whatever. I, I think it might be fun. It might be actually more fun to watch those games than it would be to, to just see a normal, t- traditional game. Well, and Doc, you, you come up with your four sites. Vegas is one of them, Minneapolis, Cleveland, and New York City. All right, those are going to be those little pods, if you will, those little mini brackets out there. And you have a, remember the bracket busters, like the announcement day when you found out who everybody mm-hmm. was going to play? That was a huge thing. And now you announce what the four teams in each of those little brackets are and give the teams, you know, and fans 
time to plan travel and make something like that happen. That'd be monstrous. And we're looking for, do that right after the Super Bowl, right? That Monday, all right, here we come, or Tuesday, we're going to announce what little mini bracket you're going to go to. They're looking for content. Hey, there's a show for Big Ten Network. Well, sure. I mean, whether you're going to do it, at, you know, at, at those sites or you do it, say, at a, you know, host site. You, know, yeah, you could yeah. always, always say, you know, and, and that might be financially, you know, I think financials do have to play a factor in here, Trent, which is uh, if you have it on somebody's campus, then that campus can sell the tickets and mm-hmm. people could go and, and it's a little easier than, say, going to, uh, you know, like, to Chicago, I mean, is, is somebody going to go to Chicago once, then twice, then then the NCAA tournament? And, mm-hmm. and but overall, I like the idea. I think the, it could be fun. It's imaginative. I like the NBA going to have an in-season tournament. I I just think those things break up the season, and the basketball season can be so long and dragging. And and you know, and frankly, I think the, the Big Twelve would be even more exciting than the Big Ten when yes. it comes to those types of tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. So, Doc, uh, Wednesday, uh, you guys are in Indianapolis. It didn't seem like uh, that this was even on Petiti's radar, right? They were comfortable. At least that's what he said. Now, I've also seen people that speculate that behind the scenes, the Big Ten was actually vetting uh, prospective Pac-12 schools should somebody press the button, uh, which we saw on, on Friday happen. What do you think? What do you think is closer to the truth? Do you think that they were actually doing due diligence behind the scene when it comes to Oregon and Washington? Because boy, oh boy, it sure came to, uh, together quickly. Yeah, they were, and they have been. They did it last year, and, and they have, you know, this year doing the due diligence. It was just a matter of. You know, do they want to go out of their way to make it to force it, or are they going to wait and let it have it come to them? And that's kind of the way they win. I think when when Colorado made its change to the Big Twelve, that's when the the Pac twelve looked to be like, okay, things are happening and and things are a little bit crazy. But I mean, they even had the opportunity all the way back to I think Friday morning, where you know it looked like the Pac twelve might find a way to stick together, kind of the way the Big Twelve did. Uh, you know what 13 years ago and it just but maryland or washington and oregon just seem to be locked in at that point on the big 10 and they're not going to get an equal share or anything it's just uh it was so fluid but yes the big 10 is has made a lot of due diligence a lot of areas and uh i i think it's a really fascinating move in that regard because they weren't as interested a year ago in doing this at all in fact the presidents were lined up against it so it must have been, you know, hey, we're, we better make this move now, and we're not going to have to pay them a full share for six-plus years that I think pushed the president to that direction. Question that I asked last week, and I want to get your perspective on this, Doc. What does this do for Iowa? The additions of Oregon and Washington, how is this good for Iowa, for Purdue, Illinois? How is it good for that next run of teams? Because on the outside, it doesn't look like a good thing for the Hawkeye Athletic Department. You know, I, it's it's not the easiest thing for sure. I mean, you know, you'd think, oh yeah, if you could have another, you know, Rutgers and Maryland, you might be better off competitively. Mm-hmm. But but you know, looking at it from their perspective too, I mean, I think if Iowa goes to Oregon, they're probably an underdog. If Oregon comes to Iowa City, they're probably Iowa's probably a favorite. And, and so I think these games are going to be challenging. But I think that they present a lot of opportunities as long as you're not a doormat. And, uh, you know, I saw Iowa, you know, I'm old enough to remember Iowa putting 49 on USC, which 
uh, you know, in a podcast this morning, nobody believed. <laughs> you know, and like what, they have like five defensive touchdowns. No, they actually got receivers scored three nice. times in a quarter. You know, so I, I think that it's not going to be easy for Iowa, certainly. But I don't look at these programs, and maybe it's because of the distance coming to Iowa City in the same breath that I breathe of, you know, Ohio State and Michigan. And even then, Iowa's had some limited success against them. So I, I think it's not easy, but I think it, it can help boost its profile. And uh, so net is, is it, I don't think it's net neutral. I think it's a slight on the negative side, but not by uh, media day coming up on Friday, Doc. Uh, seems like a long time before Friday. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of uh, stuff hit the fan before then, uh, the way this last week has gone. What do you anticipate hearing on Friday? Do you think that uh, there'll be any clarity provided uh, to the uh, players that are caught up in Iowa's portion of the uh, gambling investigation? I hope so. I hope we get a little bit more um, uh, of a name or two or what might happen. I mean, it'd be great if the NCAA comes out with that kind of information so we can make it easy, but of course they won't. They'll make it as hard as they can. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to know a little bit more about this, who's involved, who, what kind of suspensions you expect. I know, you know, Matt Campbell was not real forthcoming the other day um, in what was going to happen to the Iowa State players. I, I don't expect Kirk to come out and say it either, but but maybe the players themselves, if they're made available, will. Uh, but, you know, this is kind of interesting because for all the change that's going on in Iowa, uh, with a new quarterback, with new players, there's some excitement there. But I don't. But it's it's kind of taking a back seat to everything else. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of under the radar. You know, we're talking realignment and and everything. And and I think they probably like that. So I'm really interested myself to see how things have progressed offensively. So I think that's going to be the difference between this is just a bowl team and this is a team that's could go to Indianapolis. Your lead, here we go. Brian Ferentz and your interview that you had <laughs> with awesome. him. Yeah. Uh, take us in a little bit to that and your takeaways as you talk to the embattled offensive coordinator. Well, it's always interesting when I talk to Brian. We we talked for probably three hours, two were on record, and uh, about a lot of different topics. But kind of my thought process was, here we go, was because – Sometimes when it when you're writing about Brian Ferentz, you've really got to thread the needle uh, because the fan base does yeah. not want to read anything good about him. Right, no they positive. Want to read, <laughs> yep. They they want a, a public stoning, yep. and uh, <laughs> and so I. But I also want to be fair and I want to be truthful. And you know some of the things that we've talked about, like you know Nate Stanley threw 68 touchdown passes in three years. Brian was his offensive coordinator. That's the most for any Iowa quarterback ever in a three year period. It's, and you've got two years where they averaged more than 31 points a game. Those are things that Brian did, too. He had a role in it. It wasn't just the other players. Just like what's happened the last two years, that's on his plate. It wasn't all his fault, but some of it was. So I really wanted to try to provide a, a wide lens at how to view Brian Ferentz, what he's going through now and, and everything. And it was, fast, it was fascinating to talk to him about that and, and, uh, you know, he opened up about some topics. And, and then there's a lot of football, too, that I'll actually get to, hopefully, before, you know, be, when the realignment kind of subsides. But we'll see. Uh, so, overall, really fun conversation with Brian. I, I enjoyed it. It probably one that I wish I could upload to a podcast. I think people mm. enjoy it as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Doc, you've had a busy week. Uh, love reading your content at The Athletic. Anything uh, you'd like to preview at The Athletic uh, before we talk to you next week? 
Yeah, I've had a little bit of. Uh, I've had a few Rutgers fans in my mention. I today. bet. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Stuart Mandel and I, you know, went deep into Rutgers and why it was, uh, you know, in some cases the worst move in realignment. Kind of how they've been lack their lack of competition on the field and their struggles financially, and you combine that with, uh, you know, just the the whole tenor of everything. I think that's you know what we decided to write. And then the second part was. I've, I've got coming up this week is something financial on the Big Ten and just how these some of these moves have been kind of crazy, um, you know, off the field financially for these teams. So I've got that coming in a few days as well. Good stuff, Doc. Have a wonderful week. Thank you, Scott Docterman. Appreciate it as All always. Right. All right. Have a good one, guys. Yep, thank thank you. you. Scott Docterman from The Athletic as we catch up with our uh, buddy Doc. All right, time out. We come back. It's Mitch Holtis time, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's next. Papa John's of Central Iowa sponsor our conversation, our daily conversation with Mitch. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. USA.com for details. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KX and O Papa John Central Live with the Donaldson sponsor this daily segment with the voices of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's Mitch Holtis. He's back with us. When I saw the Chiefs and the weather last Friday, I said to Trent off air, I got a feeling we may not be able to pull this off this week. Things got a little hectic on Friday, Mitch, by the sounds of things all weather related. Yeah, but we were back out on the field and it was crazy. So let me tell you what happened. It, it, it gives you an idea of almost every day here. So um, practices nearing the end, we're on the field, we're, we've fought the weather, we're back out there, we're doing it, and then the governor of Missouri shows up, and I get the governor wants to see you. So I go running up the center of the field, I see the governor and, you know, chopping it up, and then there's, oh, the the, the, the blind gal is here, and it's this, it's this gal who's who's cannot see but listens to every game. Wow. Like this is her first day ever to be at camp, and so I run over there, and then I get engulfed like 50 kids. And then this, and I knew that uh, the gal that runs the hotel where, like, my family stays when we're here, she died the day of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. She's 42 years old, had a heart attack the day of Super Bowl 57, and her little girl shows up at camp. And so and she's in fourth grade. All this stuff's happening at once, but that's the way camp is here. It's, it's this compilation of life as well as football. And I don't want to do dog ate the homework, but guys, when I looked up, it was like, Oh my gosh, it's twelve fifteen. So it's just, it was crazy, but days here are very interesting because where this franchise is at its popularity camp becomes this pilgrimage for people. Uh, it's, it's very interesting how this has evolved here. And now we look towards the future and the future being there now with the rookie class coming in, Mitch, uh, a Brett Veach, what he does year in and year out, it's absolutely incredible. And it looked like, at least on paper right now, another really good recruit, a class coming in. Yeah, but let's talk this week. And, and, and uh, yes, I would agree. And, but this week I'm featuring how can the Chiefs stay where they're at? All of these attackers are coming, right? They're attacking mm-hmm. the castle with flaming arrows. What are you going to do? <laughs> and one thing that has to happen, you guys, is that great group of rookies a year ago, which there were 10 wow. that played in the postseason, an NFL record. Uh, nine or uh, Nazi Johnson tears his ankle or tears his knee up, but nine are left. And they have all, every one of them has taken the necessary jump to move forward to try to keep this team going. This is a young, talented group. 
Now, George Karloftis is an underrated player. You guys saw him uh, with Purdue when he was playing the Hawks. But George Karloftis right now is ready to jump up one more level. I mean, it's a huge jump mentally, physically. You kind of know what's expected. You know the guys, you know the system, and uh, it's been great. You know, feel great. All of these uh, year two guys, you know, trying to trying to do our part, you know, because a lot of us have played and welcoming in these rookies and these new guys and just trying to do our part to make this team best, the best it possibly can be. Watching this spring and summer, though, I thought, oh, this defense could go to another level. Where could this defense go? Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of guys with a lot of experience. You know, you got you got that, and you got trust in the coaches. I mean, the sky's the limit. What's interesting, guys, they have young experience. These guys played a lot last year, and Karloftis was over uh, underrated. I had five and a half sacks in the last seven weeks of the regular season, a sack in the postseason. His seven passes defensed were number one among the rookies in the NFL last year, and his pressure rate was second only to Aiden Hutchinson hmm. of the Lions. So there's just he's he's I'm not saying he's Joey or Nick Bosa, but he's not far from those guys. No, and Mitch, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was late in the season, right? I mean, it just wasn't he came mm-hmm. week one, week mm-hmm. two, and just set the world on fire. And the league's trying to figure this guy out. It took a while, but then it got going late. You would think that it would carry over into year two. And and that's what you don't know until you know, Ken. It's an excellent point, but. Uh, and he's not Von Miller, okay? So let's, let's, and I'm not, but, but he's going to be a really good George Karloftis. He can be a pro bowler. But his second year, he has made a, he's been more impressive to me this year and what he's done and seeing him evolve than even the way he ended last year. Now, what does that translate to? I don't know. Frank Clark is gone. Amena, yeah. who's now suspended for six games. Um, so he's going to get a lot of attention from protection, but his motor is such. You guys saw it at Purdue. There's a reason he was a first-round draft pick. He is a stud. He really is, and a guy he's that a stud. is going to help out in a lot of ways. So Can I just be- ask one? Yeah. So who who will pick uh, take Amani, who's uh, that six games? Who's behind him on the depth chart? I got to think that's changed, right? It has. Now, it's a variable equation here. Okay. Uh, and when I was watching Will McDonald the fourth the other night yeah. um, for the Jets, he's going to be really good, Iowa Stater. Yep. The guy that's always in the discussion with him is Felix Enyudike Ozama, yep. Yep. Uh, the K-State kid. He is going to have not all on his plate. Mike Dana, uh, this is going to be, again, like the wide receiver core here, a, a group of variables like an algebraic equation. No one guy can answer that question. Game week. Getting geared up, looking towards Sunday when the Chiefs are out there for the first time. Are the guys sick of hitting each other yet? Oh, I gotta be. Oh yeah, they're they're getting there now. <laughs> Coach doesn't want them to think about that until Thursday. They had a good hard day today, but the weather was awesome. It feels like mid October, right mm-hmm. at Kinnick Stadium where Jack tries, and um, that that was good. It was just a really good. They've had two really good days in a row. But coaches want to be pressing them. Don't even think that you're gonna have a game Sunday. Um, but if the weather stays like this, they're in full pads and they're getting after it. They, this is where they build their success. And I told you this every year. I'll say it again next year. Is in this time of camp where they get more done than most of the teams in the NFL. Hmm. Uh, so far, fingers crossed, for the most part, uh, the Chiefs have had an injury. A couple of nicks, uh, but, but nothing serious so far, Mitch? The Nazi Johnson ACL, uh, and he's part of the Fab Five DBs. He's the 10 rookies and others nine. Uh, heartbroken because the kid, he had right. as much yeah. as Karloftis had jumped, he had jumped as well. Mm-hmm. That's it. So the three flashpoints here, the Amenahu suspension, Chris Jones still isn't here, and the Nazi Johnson ACL. 
other than that, it's been full throttle, full steam ahead. A- any news on Chris Johnson? Nope, none. Gotcha. I was going to see if you guys had some. <laughs> if you seem if you seem drive by the station, probably on his uh, way to Papa, Papa John's. John's. Yeah, let me know. Just text me. Well, I don't blame him. What's the special at Papa John's? What's he What's he headed to go I pick up? Epic garlic crust. I mean, you guys kill me if I, it's at eleven fifty doing this segment. It's like I want to chase a caribou down, right? And uh, that's a Canadian reference. Yeah, I, I, uh, I got it. So, yeah. uh, but hey, uh, they've got this epic garlic crust. Thirteen ninety nine large right now. It's lunch, it's dinner, it's breakfast. Papa John's. Love them. The Donaldsons are great. They love Central Iowa and helping out. Absolutely. We love this segment. Thank you, Mitch Holtz. Appreciate it. Talk to you. See you, Sky Moore, tomorrow. Good to tell you. Yeah, good stuff. Sky Moore, tomorrow. Thank you, Mitch. Take care. All right, there's Mitch Holtz, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Sky Moore, tomorrow for you, Trent Condon, mm-hmm. as I'm in the air, headed to Las Vegas. You are going to get there, and what's first? Check in and then what? Throw the bags. Yep. Meet my son. Yep. Son's picked up dad's medicine. Okay. Uh, so that's one less stop for one you. One less stop for the old man. Uh-huh. I don't know. Probably dinner. A couple of races somewhere. Uh-huh. Find a track or find a place. We can go bet some races. A little greyhound action? No. Harness. You ever bet on the horses? I never. No, the, 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 the greyhounds? Dogs. No. No. Can't, no. <laughs> never. Emu? No. Elk? Nope, nothing like that. <laughs> Hour two, baseball conversation with Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com, Iowa State conversation with Nick Olson, Trent's Plays of the Day, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.